0: Good morning, it's uh, great to be with you, and uh, about, I don't know, three weeks ago or so, when thinking about preaching here this morning, that little phrase, the God of all comfort, came into my mind, and, and it never left me, and as those three weeks have gone on, um, I've been experiencing some of this stuff that I want to preach about, and uh, when you in that situation where God is is ministering to you and doing stuff in you, then, in a way, it becomes more real. So this this sermon preparation has been a blessing to me. So I I hope that it is a blessing to you. So the title is Comfort When You Need It. Comfort When You Need It. You know there is something attractive about comfort, isn't there? Wouldn't you agree there's something very attractive about comfort? And the advertisers know that, don't they? Aren't just feeling comfortable? You know, it's a desirable experience, isn't it? Comfort. So the advertisers are saying, you know, we need to be comfortable. And in fact, don't we talk about comfort eating? And, and that's what Galaxy is trying to hook into. Comfort as a God, fits well into our hedonistic society. Any pleasurable experience that elevates itself to a God, and there are many examples of that. You know, sex is another example. See, comfort and sex and other things that have been created, good. They are good. But they were never meant to be a God. And when we take sex and comfort to that level of a god, then we're in trouble. Because they cannot deliver. They were never intended to deliver. They were never intended to be at that level and they will let us down. Let's take galaxy, for example. You know, galaxy's nice, isn't it? But if I do nothing but stuff my face with galaxy to be comforted by galaxy, then there's going to be a problem later on, isn't there? Yes? Yes? Yeah, there is, isn't there? There's going to be a problem later on. Comfort when we need it, rather than being driven by a need for comfort. Paul, writing to the first century Christians at Corinth, really nailed this subject of comfort. And so I want to turn to that. So it's 2 Corinthians 1, verses 1 to 12. Really nail the subject of comfort when you need it, not comfort as a God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. It's 2 Corinthians if I didn't mention that. 2 Corinthians 1 to 12. To the church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance, Of the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. We know that just as you share in our sufferings. You will also share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed brothers. About the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope. Sometimes we hear teaching that when we come to Jesus, it will be all comfort, all prosperity, and all glory. And praise God, when we come to Jesus, there is comfort. There is prosperity and there is glory, but there's something else as well. There is also suffering. And Paul says, our hardship was so great, we thought we were going to die. Now, that's pretty full-on suffering, isn't it? That is a great intensity of Suffering. God has not promised a life of comfort, but He has promised comfort in our life. It's a very different thing. If the expectation was that it would be a comfortable ride, then there would be no need for the God of all comfort. Why would there need to be a God of comfort if we didn't need comfort? So I want to assure you, and I want, to, I want to say this loud and clear this morning, I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me, and hopefully as you repeat it, it will start to, to to become part of you, and you'll take hold of it for this week to come. God is the God of all comfort. Say it with me. God is the God of all comfort. God is the God of all comfort. Here in verse 3, we see that, God the Father is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And then Jesus, during his ministry, said to his disciples, I will ask the Father and he will send you another comforter. And what he meant by that was one just like me. (laughs) That's what it means in that, literally, it's another one just like Jesus. Because Jesus is a comforter. So we see Jesus, the comforter, asking the Father, the God of all comfort, to send another comforter, the Holy Spirit. So, isn't that great? (laughs) That Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all comforters. I I am glad about that. Because the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is within every believer. It's so important that we know that he is the comforter. So comfort is available to every single one of us this morning through the Holy Spirit. The comforter. We used to sing a song, the comforter has come. The comforter has come. Comfort, when we need it, is available. So how does God give such comfort? Well, firstly, God gives it directly, intimate comfort, right into the very depths of our being. And if we turn to Isaiah 49, we see a picture, an illustration of that comfort that God gives. And I'm going to read that to you. It's Isaiah 49 13 to 16. Shout for joy, O oh heavens, rejoice, O earth, burst into song, O oh mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the babe at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget I will not forget you see i have graven you on the palms of my heart your walls are ever before me the context is god's people are in exile they are suffering it's hard And they feel like God has forsaken them. And God says, it might feel like that, but that is not the truth. And to describe how he feels about them, he gives this illustration of a baby at its mother's breast. And if we look at that picture, it's a picture where there's a bond of closeness and intimacy which brings deep comfort. Charity Bancroft wrote, Before the throne of God above, I have a strong a perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for me, my name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. Those wounds that fastened Jesus to the cross speak out loudly the comfort of God. One of the deepest experience of comfort that we can ever know and experience is When we come to the cross. Some of the ritual that has been written for. Holy communion or sacrament. Whichever term you want to use. Shows the comfort of the cross. One of them says draw near with faith. And take this holy sacrament. To your comfort. Take and eat this bread in remembrance that Christ died for you. And feed on him in your heart by faith. Now that takes comfort eating to a whole new level, doesn't it? (laughs) This is good comfort eating. This is comfort eating without the side effects of ballooning. (laughs) Feed on him by faith in your hearts. One of the deepest comforts that we can ever know Is a clean heart, a clean heart, a guilt free heart, a right relationship with God. There is no comfort deeper and greater than that, and it's all because Jesus died in those wounds, the blood flowed from his head, his hands. His side, his feet. And the Holy Spirit comes and he applies the blood of Jesus Christ into our hearts and cleanses us from all sin. The intimacy, the comfort of that experience is so deep. It doesn't matter what you've done or thought or said it is all cleansed at the cross. This is comfort at a level that we can never find anywhere else. So the cross is the greatest demonstration that the world has ever known of love. It's the place where we can come and receive deep comfort in that love. Paul, writing to the Corinthians at Philippi, said, if you have any comfort in his love. Paul's saying, you should have. (laughs) You know, the inference there is, you should have comfort in his love. That's what it's there for. So that you can have that deep intimacy with God. God is more than somebody who just saves us from our past. More than somebody who gives us a clean heart. He is our strong tower. He is our deliverer. He is our refuge. And in the passage that we read, Paul says, verse 9, But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us, from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him, we have set our hope. Then, writer said, "How oft, in the conflict, when pressed by the foe, have I fled to my refuge and breathed out my war?" Get the picture. I did this quite recently and I'm going to share more about that a little bit later. But the hymn writer is talking about not the need for a clean heart here. The hymn writer's already got a clean heart. The hymn writer is talking about the pressures that are upon him. And how in that situation there is a fleeing to the refuge. Why? (laughs) Because the refuge is the rock. God, the God of all comfort. So when we feel that hard pressing on every side, it's good for us to do what I used to do as a little child. This is going back a long time now. But if if I got hurt, whether it's from my own stupidity or somebody else hurting me as a little child, my first thought would be to run to my mum. And to be embraced by my mom. And to know that refuge. That deliverance from whatever it was. As believers, that's what we should do. Not run to my mom. <laughs> She's almost 91 now. <laughs> but run to the God of all Comfort we so easily run to many other comforters. Comforters that are not the real deal, that can never fully satisfy. We might experience a temporary sense of comfort, but it's not deep. It's not lasting. It's not godly. So God is always the God of comfort when we need it. And I call that level one comfort. It's the vertical. It's God and me, God and you. But Paul doesn't stop there in this letter to the Corinthians because he then talks about the horizontal. And there's a verse that I absolutely love, and it's in chapter 6. And verse 7, or rather, chapter 7, verse 6. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me so that my joy was greater than ever. Paul received comfort from Titus. And Titus had received comfort to take with him from the Corinthians. So as Titus arrives on the scene, he's got like this whole baggage of comfort from the Corinthians to dump on Paul. And he's got his own heart to share with Paul. And as he does so, this man who's felt hard pressed on every side to the point of feeling he's going to die receives comfort. Deep, deep comfort. We comfort others with the comfort that we receive from God. You now, because of receiving comfort. From God when going through bereavement on a personal level. I know what it is to give comfort to those who are bereaved. Because I've been there. I know the deep, 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 deep pain. I know how much it hurts. And I know that the God of comfort was there so we pass on that comfort to others where we have been hard pressed in our lives we are able to pass on that comfort I want to wrap this up by personal illustration of very recent you know as Becky and I have been planting the church in Bristol it feels like we have been hard pressed on many sides and it Feels like pretty much everybody else in the group has been hard-pressed on many sides. It's been tough. (laughs) And time does not permit me to go into all the details. But I want to, to share with you kind of what for me was almost... Not a final straw, but the thing that really was the last thing above of many things that then was something that really affected me. To make me flee to my refuge. <laughs> and it was Friday, uh, nine days ago, father-in-law uh, is living with us and Becky is doing a tremendous job uh, looking after him. I'm very proud of her. And, but he took a turn for the worse, and uh, we now know that it was a urine infection that had probably caused that massive downturn, and so he, he couldn't stand, he couldn't walk unaided, and other faculties going wrong as well, and uh, so in, in in real need of care, and the pressure that came into our home as a result of that, so from the Friday through. So the Tuesday morning, we Matron was coming on the Tuesday morning, he'd been to hospital twice as well, so the medical profession were doing excellent work, but on Tuesday morning I, I, I woke up feeling emotionally drained, feeling the pressure of it all, and I knew I'd got to flee to my refuge and breathe out my woe. And so I went to Wormley Forest Park, which we've only discovered recently even though it's on our doorstep. <laughs>
1: Because we've been so
0: busy we haven't had a chance to even find it. But we'd found it on the Sunday. It was two days earlier. There were other people around, but not a lot. I wasn't too bothered about them. I tried to get in the forest bits where it was quietest. And I began to pour out my heart. Pour out my heart to God. Just pour it all out. And I started singing that old hymn which I'd not sung for many, many years. About fleeing to my refuge. And the little refrain is hiding in thee. Hiding in thee. Thou blessed rock of ages. I'm hiding in thee. And that's what I did. I kind of went into that place where total honesty with God. Holding nothing back. Not in anger, not in rage, not in, just in, this is where I'm at. And I began to receive the comfort of God. And I began to be fed in my innermost being with that comfort. And then the mobile phone rang. And it was Chris, he's one of the church plant. And he said, I've been praying for you. And he said, how are you? So then you have a choice, haven't you? Do I really tell him or do I not tell him? (laughs) So the immediate reaction is you kick in the polite version and then you think, no. And so here was the horizontal comfort coming as I'd connected with the vertical comfort. Do you know that God didn't promise us a comfortable life? If you find a verse in the scripture that tells me that, then please bring it to me, because I'd like one. (laughs) I don't see that anywhere. But God is a God of all comfort. He really is. And you can experience this morning the God of all comforts. It's whether you will flee to your refuge and breathe out your war. See that's really where we get it. We don't get it by looking all over the place and complaining. We get it from God himself.